The Athletic. Hello, welcome back to 1874 on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by Aston Villa writer Greg Evans. Throughout January, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a very special price. You can enjoy great analysis and in-depth features, including Greg's recent piece with John McGinn and all the very best football writers around. You'll also get ad-free versions of all our podcasts, all for less than a pound a week. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to sign up and enjoy The Athletic throughout 2021. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Greg, recording this podcast straight after Villa's plucky 2-0 defeat at Man City. A, a good battling display, a road I look at times, but some really, really positive things to take out from the game, as well as, unfortunately, some negatives as well, mainly around officiating and rules. But in the end, ultimately, it's nothing for Villa. It's two defeats in a row, but Villa have gone toe-to-toe with both Manchester clubs in their last two Premier League games. Yeah, yeah, I done. It's um, a bit raw, isn't it, now at the moment? It um, feels like Villa are very hard done by in that game. Uh, yeah, t- right. Tough coming away, and you know, look, they, they, I thought they did so well for 82 minutes. You know, they held Manchester City back, and um, I thought they were going to hold on and get something from the game. But I just think VAR controversy and offici- official deci- you know, decisions uh, aside, there's a bigger picture here, isn't it? And you know what what you mentioned there at the start. They've gone toe to toe now with three of the you know best teams in the division recently in Chelsea, um, Man United, and Man City. So I think against the lesser lights in the division, if Villa continue playing the way that they do, you know they'll get the points that they deserve. Very kind of you lumping Chelsea in amongst the elite in the division at the moment because I watched them last night and thought they were absolutely awful. But you're right, Villa play three big teams, stereotypically big teams, and I've taken them all the way. But unfortunately, in the last two games in particular, we've gone all the way just to be tripped up by officiating and, and by VAR. And it does feel whenever there's a controversial decision, and I, obviously I'm going to throw the goal line technology to one side because that, that's a one-off and I'm tired of opposition fans having a go at Villa as if we're not allowed to ever have a decision go our way because of that Sheffield United incident. But it's so, so, I I don't, there might be the rules, but how is that not offside, Greg? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we're all still scratching our heads really, aren't we? And I think anybody who says that they knew exactly what was happening when the goal was was scored and and that there was no issue, you know, it's got to be lying, haven't they? Because, Hmm. okay, we've all heard and listened to, um, you know, pundits and and ex-officials come on and say what the exact rules are. The goal should stand by, by by the official rules, but it just seems so confusing, doesn't it? And if that's the rules then surely they must change because, I mean, you know, what what happens now going forward? So, Rodri's 10 yards offside. Tyrone Mings knows that he's behind him. Um, he takes, I don't know, what, less than one second to, to make a decision of uh, whether to chest the ball down and pass it to uh, Esri Konza, who, who it looked like he was trying to pass to. And and in that split second, Rodri's, you know, right up behind him, rubbing the ball off him and, and then setting up Silva for the goal. So, you know, what happens going forward now? Do we just have strikers, midfielders, whatever, hanging 10 yards, 20 yards, whatever yeah, yeah. they want offside and, and and then using that to their advantage? It, 
it, it's just very, you know, it's just not clear for me at the moment. I can't see, I don't understand the rules in this game at the moment. Um, it's it's confusing me. Uh, it's confusing the people that are watching on the telly. It's confusing the people that are in the stands. It's confusing the players. It's confusing Dean Smith. You know, Dean Smith is quite a measured, um, respectful man. And what he said to John Moss was not really below the belt, to be honest. Look, he, he got a yellow card for saying that he thought that, um, you know, he said to, he said to John Ross, look, uh, John, John Ross, Jonathan um, Ross, Jonathan Ross here. <laughs> <laughs> taking a, a bit of a, of, a, of a turn there, but no, he said, look, you know, I think that you've been giving juggling balls for Christmas, insinuating clearly that he thought he was a clown. And that's what he got his yellow card for. But then for the red card, he said that um, John Moss came up to him and said, look, I'm, I've, I've interpreted the rules. Um, and then Dean Smith said, well, you should have interpreted them better. And then he got a red card for that. So it, that seems a little bit harsh. Um, and clearly you could see on the players' faces that they didn't know what's going on. They thought it was an offside. And then as they were trudging off at the end, you know, suffering a 2-0 defeat, they were still complaining to the officials. So we're, we're all in the same boat, aren't we? We're all thinking it was incredibly harsh. Yeah, that rule's ludicrous because, as you say, a striker now, if I was a striker, say if I was Danny Ings, for example, someone I've got down as a bit of a sniffer, a bit a bit of a, a predator in the box. If you're Danny Ings now next game, like you say, you could wait two yards behind a defender and just wait for him to touch the ball. And as soon as he touches the ball, you can make a move. Now, that seems ludicrous. That doesn't seem right. And that goal tonight, I don't care what the rules are. That rule, that rule's a joke. We do always seem to be, to be the wrong side of these little things, Greg. We, well, not even little things. We come on and do these podcasts. And I feel like every week, or certainly every time Villa lose, I'm talking about a decision that, that baffles me and baffles the general public. Look, it does seem to be happening a lot. You know, I write about Villa. Obviously, I'm, I'm writing a story after every single match. So it feels that I always have to, at some point, mention a, a decision or a wrong decision or a controversial decision. And, you know, even just looking back to this fixture last season, OK, Villa were Villa were done eventually by, by the better team. And, and yeah, Man City deserved to win. But... David Silva scored a goal that, that should have been ruled out because it touched him and uh, oh, no, you know, VAR didn't give it. So I spoke to Dean Smith about this in the pre-match press conference building up and I said, look, you know, what do you want from your team? What did you do right? And what did you do wrong in the last fixtures against um, Manchester City? And like one of the first things he brought up was was that silver goal, you know, the, the harsh VAR decision. We're all confused. Supporters are tearing their hair out. So you imagine what Dean Smith must be feeling like on the sidelines where he's watching this happen to his team almost every week. You know, no wonder he's got sent off today. He's just, it's just becoming a bit of a joke now. Yeah, Villa, the Villa coaching staff, they've got like quite a high threshold for these things as well. I know they're very respectful of officials. They don't like to question them too much because they know in a few weeks' time you could have those officials again and they don't want to influence it in, in any way. So, as you say, Dean Smith, to have lost it, I mean, he didn't even lose it, actually, from what you said, but he must have been so incensed to say that stuff because I know their threshold, as I say, is quite high and I presume now he won't be able to sit in the, in the dugout on Saturday. Am I, am I right in thinking that? Yeah, I think that's correct. Look, I'm not, I'm not sure whether, you know, I don't know the appeals process or, you know, what happens next, but that's something we'll be we'll be keeping our eye on and, you know, trying to update uh, the subscribers, you know, as, as quickly as we can. But, yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's, it's frustrating for him. And as you say, you know, they are a respectful um, coaching team and, and Dean Smith always says to his, you know, his staff that, don't, you know, don't get involved in things, don't criticise opponents, just focus on ourselves. And, um, you know, he's very respectful. And certainly I would have thought, I mean, look, I don't hear everything that goes on in the, in the dugouts, but I'm, I'm sure managers have said worse things to, to John Moss over the years than that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. It was a good display, though, for as much as Villarreal they look at times, for as much as there was some exceptional defending, and Tyro Mings is included in that. I'm, I'm a bit upset that he's obviously going to end up getting stick in some quarters for, for not clearing the ball quicker, because he was imperious tonight, and the amount of blocks him and Consa made, Matty Cash and Target retreating as well, made some massive defensive inputs. Martinez made that great save at the start of the game, which which you really felt was a, was a crucial save at the, at the time. There were some great contributions defensively, and we've been punished by two goals that really ultimately we can't do much about I feel a little bit sorry for Mings though you know we, we, we discussed I think on the last pod or you know a couple of weeks ago our thoughts on on Mings as a player um, you know so I won't go too deep into that because I think people already know how I feel on that I like him as a player I know that he tries to pass the ball out the back from the back rather than um, you know hoof it clear if he'd, if he'd have just headed it clear or kicked it clear we probably wouldn't have been having this conversation to be honest but he, you know, he, clearly he thought he was in control of it, and what's happened as a consequence is because of Rodri's uh, position and, and, and being offside and gaining advantage from that position. So I don't blame Mings too much at the moment. I just think uh, it, it, it's just a difficult one because for me, when I was watching that game, I thought. Yeah, at times it felt a little bit like last season when Villa played Man City because you know it did feel like a bit of an onslaught at times, didn't it? But to be fair to Villa, they stood up to everything that had been thrown at them, and what was different this time was that they actually had something on the attack. You know, they that they showed that bit of enterprise going forward. I thought Traore was a threat at times. You know. Jack Grealish, you obviously know what he can do. McGinn drove forward on a couple of occasions. Ross Barkley wasn't quite at it, you know, a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, really great to see him back in the in the starting lineup because we know that, uh, you know, over a course of a season he's going to be a big player for Villa, but just not quite at it today. Just needed to be a bit quicker with his decision making and just move the ball a little bit quicker because. They you know, got into some great positions on the counter-attack and then the, the moves just broke down, didn't they? Which is a bit frustrating. But as I, as I keep going back, I, ju- I just think there's a bigger picture there now. I think there's a nice balance between defence and attack. And I think when Villa take on Newcastle, who you know, are playing as the worst team in the league at the moment, um, you know, the, the script will be completely different. Please, please don't curse us like like that, Greg. I mean, I think it's been a while since Newcastle have won, hasn't it? It would be vintage Steve Bruce to, to, to rock up at Villa Park and pick up a result when he needs to. But like you, I don't think he will. I think Villa will, will give them a good beating on Saturday now. I think they'll take out their frustrations on Newcastle, hopefully. You name-checked Traore there. I was, I was actually a little bit surprised that he started. I mean, you think of Al Ghazi's record in the last month or so. I know Traore scored a couple of goals as well, but you wouldn't have thought Al Ghazi would have been the one to miss out tonight. But yeah, I thought he looked really good on the counter-attack. I really like him. I think he's a, he's a maverick. He, he's something different, and that ball he pulled down from Martinez and then ended up getting himself nearly through one goal. I thought he was absolutely tremendous. 
<laughs> yeah, I think Steve McManaman got quite uh, carried away. Oh, he loved it, McManaman. Yeah, he loved it. <laughs> I don't think he was quite as good as McManaman oh, was come making on. out. Come but on. He was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not taking anything the away from it. But majestic. I, I don't thought. I didn't think it was absolutely amazing. I thought you know he took it down well. Maybe got a little bit of a lucky touch off the knee to take it past was it Zinchenko or De Bruyne. Um, and uh, and then went on, yeah. Look, you know, maybe wanted him to do a little bit more and and, and test Edison, you know, force him into a better save. But look, you know, it's Man City, isn't it? And if you get chances against them, you, you need to try and take those. I'm with you. I'm Traore. I'm starting to like him. He's unpredictable. He's going to do things that annoy you, I think, at times. Um, but equally, he's going to do things that are quite majestic. You know, I look back to his goal at Bristol City. He's off the cuff, isn't he? And he just does yeah. things without thinking. And I think that's kind of what he was doing with that touch. There's been some other examples of silky touches like that. I can't remember the game. Yeah. I think it was the Wolves game. He, yeah, Wolves. He, um, yeah, he, start, he started really bad. Had some horror touches. And then I took the ball down from the air superbly and, and got through on goal and had a good opportunity. But tough on El Garza. But maybe Smith thought that Traore would offer more going forward in, in a game like this. Yeah, I think Algarzi will probably be back on the back in the team on Saturday as well. And I'm, I can't believe you, what you're saying about that touch, by the way. And next time you tell me you've done a good article, I'm going to read it and come back to you and say, oh, it was just OK. It's all right. Because I'll tell you what, the th- your threshold for touches must be pretty high there if, if you're saying that was OK. I thought no, it was no, a phenomenal no, Don't get me t- wrong. I thought it was, a nice, it was a nice takedown, yeah. I just think he maybe got a little bit lucky with that second touch because it, I think it was a knee. He just, he just touched he his knee, didn't doing. he? And, and yeah, touched- just... Not, just pulled him not, down. Not the opponent down on the floor as a result, but I think it looked better. Be- was it Zinchenko or De Bruyne? I think it was De Bruyne. I think yeah, it looked I better be because just De Bruyne fell on the floor, didn't it? Made it look even better. But look, let's not take anything away from him. Uh, I think you know, as in general, watching on as well, it was a good, it was a good nil nil for a long time. Yeah, it was wasn't a good game. It, and it yeah, was a really good chances. game. It just felt like it just felt it was disappointing at the end. It came off thinking that game shouldn't have ended the way it did. You know. Okay, Man City probably deserved to win, but yeah, it, you know it shouldn't. But have you'd ended expect like that. that. It was unfair, wasn't it? Yeah, you'd expect that though, wouldn't you? Away at Man City, they're the form team in the league at the moment. They're they're, they're absolutely flying. They're, they're not conceding goals. You expect to be the second best team, but I thought Villa's setup was very good to deal with that, and they did have moments on the counter attack. I mean, just before Man City scored, Jacob Ramsey, who Villa have got a big amount of trust in by the looks of things, because he's come on in some big games. He was millimeters away from connecting with one just be- just before uh, just before Man City scored, wasn't it? I mean, that look, that is incredible defending from Diaz. Yeah, it really that, is. That, what a what a brilliant interception to to stop that going to Ramsey. And Ramsey, you know, you had to look at his face at the end. He thought it was a tapping, wasn't it? He was a yard yeah. out. He was a tapping. His first goal for the club, it would have been. And then, you know, what a what a brilliant um, way to have got that. And and I think, you know, by looking at his face, he thought that it was going to be his. Um, unbelie- unbelievable defending from Diaz. But yeah, just just another sign, really, that, that Villa did did cause them some problems and look, you know, they're in they're in unbelievable form now, aren't they? So that's nine wins on the bounce. <laughs> it always feels like whenever Villa play them, that they're, they're coming off the back of either a brilliant result or a, or a brilliant run of form. I think last season when, you know, when Villa played them um, at the Etihad, they'd, they'd just beaten Atalanta 5-1. Um, when, when Villa lost 6-1 to them at home, they'd just come Jeez. off the back of a nice... Um, a nice win at Old Trafford in the cup semi-final, and then when Villa got them in the cup final, they just beat Real Madrid at, <laughs> at the Bernabeu. So you know, it just feels like every time Villa play Man City, they're in the form of their lives, which just just you know makes it a little bit more bearable to, to and almost acceptable to to lose, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you look back to that cup final now. I mean, I was coming up to it to a year. The last time many of us would have actually been at a football match, it was definitely the last time I was at a football match at, at the ground. And Villa played Man City that day, and they did okay. To be fair, didn't they? It was a backs of the wall performance, but they did okay. Didn't really carry a threat. Lost two one. Probably a little bit lucky that it was only two one. But this Villa team now is is worlds away from what, what we were watching then, and you could never have envisaged the level that they'd be at now. No, Miles difference. I mean, you, you, it take us too long to go for the whole team. But, you know, the, the key differences for me is that they've got a settled goalkeeper now who makes saves, makes brilliant saves and just brings so much calmness and assurance to the back four. Um, you know, the, the brilliant save that he made really early into this game and then another one for, for Cancelo. I think Watkins up front's made a big difference. Uh, if you look back to the games last year, you know, Wesley was sort of struggling a little bit to... In, in the early stages of the season, okay, Samata scored at, at Wembley, but he didn't really he doesn't really have the presence that, that Watkins does. You know, he, he runs so hard, he, he works those channels well, um, and, and and he causes a threat. I mean, you know, it, it was brilliant, wasn't it, that, that the way he set up Ramsey and just sort of twisted and turned. Nine games without a goal now, that's the only worry, isn't it, for Watkins? I really am going to back him to, to, to break that duck on Saturday against Newcastle. I, th- I think he'll find yeah. the net again and maybe go on a little run. He's, t- he's too good not to, and he, he has made a massive difference to this side. I mean, in the first half in particular, he, he wins things that he's got absolutely no right to win. A lot of things where Villa go long and you'd expect the ball to come straight back and Villa to be under pressure again. He doesn't because Watkins disrupts the, the back lines of teams and he, he gets in amongst them. He makes some really clever runs as well. Sometimes an average ball can turn into a good ball because of Watkins I think he offers us so much Greg no I'm, I'm with you I agree you know I, I really like him I think he sets the tone for, for the way Villa play and I think it I think the goals will come eventually yeah I mean no better chance than on Saturday really because Newcastle mm-hmm. are struggling badly again you mentioned Martinez I mean cash was outstanding tonight wasn't he you look at the summer business again and you just think because as I say I think Troyore is brilliant Every signing has made an impact, and that's rare. It's really rare. You know, it's not just rare. It's it's almost it's all it's it's totally unexpected. Actually, I mean, for a, to, to, if you if you ask any football manager or sporting director, then if if you say that they sign five players in in a window, they expect usually three or four of them to come off, and that's good. You know, if you, to get five, it's, it's just unbelievable, really, and it, and it shows um, how a careful and considered plan has come off you know you've got to give the the, the guys in, in the recruitment team a lot of praise yeah because they've they've carefully picked the players that they want who they think that they will fit in and and you know they all have and still got sort of you know the unpredictability of, of Barkley and what he can do if he can stay fit he will be a big player for the rest of the season as well but yeah five out of five signings he's, he's incredible and hopefully Morgan Sanson uh, the Marseille midfielder yeah, tell who, me more who Villa want to get done, you know, they want to get this deal done. Um, you know, the issue now is just, just getting the right price that the, the two teams have got to agree the price. And then, um, you know, ho- hopefully he will become a Villa player. Um, Connor Huran obviously departing out on loan to, to Swansea. So it made, it made sense really, didn't it, for Villa to try and, you know, get get a replacement in. There was always room for that. If, if Villa got rid of a player, there was always room to fill in for another one. Very much like Keenan Davis, you know, if, if they decide to let him go out on loan, then they'll obviously get a forward in to replace him as well. You'd be surprised they've let Connor go before getting the replacement in because you look at it now, I, I might be wrong here, but I was seeing murmurs on Twitter before we came on that McGinn's now suspended. On Saturday, now don't quote me on that because could, it could be completely false. A few, I've just seen a few people say it, but you lose a player. I presume Connor would have been the one to come in for McGinn at the weekend. So you, you're suddenly sure, aren't you? 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure it would. I'm not sure it would be though now because if you look at if you look at the games before, you know, he dropped down, hadn't he, Horahan, unfortunately? No, he, he had. Dro- he uh, dropped yeah. down the pecking order. You look at Wolves, I mean, Jacob Ramsey came in, uh, Dean Smith felt that he, he needed mm-hmm. more legs in that team. You know, that was the reason then. Was that just, an, you know, was that just an excuse? Because before it was always it was always Horahan who, who was ahead of him. He wasn't getting a game when Louise and McGinn were both playing. So Ramsey was obviously playing as a 10 like Barkley. Yeah, I see what you mean. But now yeah, to lose yeah. that deepest midfielder, with all due respect to Nakamba, I don't think you'd really want Nakamba playing or need Nakamba playing at home to Newcastle. So it'd be interesting to see what he does do if McGinn is suspended. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, look, you know, I interviewed John McGinn earlier in the week and he said that, um, you know, that he, his position was cha- changes every game, really. He said sometimes Smith will say to him, right, I want you to sit a little bit deeper today and, and, and sit next to Douglas pretty much like he did today um, with the occasional venture forward. And then against the, the lower teams, you know, he's, he's given that licence, the thrill almost, and get forward and get goals rather than just sort of sitting deep and, and setting them up. So it'd be interesting to see what Villa do actually, yeah, at the weekend and, and who comes in. I mean, I, pre- I presume it's a game for Ramsey rather than Nakamba, but can can you can you do that? Can you play Louise Nakamba and Barkley as well as Grealish or Traore and El Ghazi? I don't know. Is that leaving them just a little bit too open? Maybe my thought was that he instead if he didn't play Nakamba that he might move Jack into the middle and play Jack and Barkley as as kind of free eights. Louise sitting and then it would give him the chance to bring El Ghazi back in. But I must stress again, I'm not 100 percent sure what's going what's going on with McGinn. It's just something I saw before we came on, so it might not even be true. <laughs> yeah, well we'll get that confirmed. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's talk a little bit about your pace with McGinn. I mean, by the bar that you've set, I thought it was okay, Greg. I thought it was was an okay pace you did. (laughs) Traore's touch was brilliant. It was fantastic. Can you change your mind? 
I, I met around. I, I loved the interview with McGinn. It was great <laughs> to get the to get the thoughts of a, a current player, learnt stuff that I didn't know about him. It was great to find out a little bit more about his character. I mean, McGinn, to be fair, he does feel like one of those ones that you do know anyway because he just feels like your mate. He just makes you laugh when, when you look at him. But he was he was a good piece, found out a lot about him. And obviously, I won't, won't want to give it all away in this podcast because we want people to subscribe and read it. But... Learned a lot about behind the scenes at Villa as well in terms of staying up last year, why they've been so good, why they're so close. It, it was really interesting. Yeah, it was really good to speak to him again. Um, found out a lot more about him. Uh, and, you know, he's really settled here in the West Midlands as well. He loves playing here. His family like it here. And, uh, you know, in a normal world, there's like 50 or 60 of the, the McGinn clan watching on, which, you know, I found, I found that really nice. It's, it's good to hear that you've, you've got a level of support like that. But he's one of Villa's star players as well now, isn't he? And what you get from with McGinn is it's not just the player, it's the character, you know. You, we all saw him dressing up as a turkey on Christmas yeah. Day. And, you know, the reason he did that was just to put a smile on some of the older lads' faces, you know, some of the lads that have got kids and have been called in to train on Christmas Day, you know, it's not the best, is it? Especially in the year that we had in 2020. So, yeah, it was really good fun to, to do the interview. Yeah, hopefully there'll be more stuff like that to come. You did a little piece on Louise as well before the uh, the Man City game, talking through his numbers and obviously the risk that Villa have got to losing him to, to, to Man City. Do you think they'll have been impressed with him tonight? Um, yeah, I thought he was steady, if, if not spectacular. You know, he, yeah. he, he he did the right things. He moved the ball well when, when he had it, um, broke up play a little bit, but and had a couple of good opportunities, actually, didn't he? He had two, two decent chances. Um, Edison saved well f- from one of them. But yeah, I thought that was going in, I did. I yeah, he, he was just, he was average for me today. I thought he did okay. It's obviously always tough coming up against such a, a dominant force like City, but... I just thought he did okay and you know Guardiola would have would have seen what he's become. The concern always will be until after June the 5th when City have still got this buyback clause inserted into his contract. So if Villa survive in the Premier League this year, which they will, um, you know, the, 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 the highest fee I'm, I understand can go up to 27.5 million. So feels like a decent... Feels like a decent fee, doesn't it, for that? If you, if you want to get no, a player of that think, quality, I think because, it feels low. Uh, so, sorry, if if you if you sit, it feels like oh, yeah. you know, it, it feels like you know, good value for money. That is, but look, you know, let, let's not speculate too much on what's going to happen. Let's hope that he can be become a you know a Villa player for the future, really, because everyone will breathe a little bit easier, won't they, after June the fifth? Yeah, because if it's one thing mega rich Man City need, it's, it's a transfer bargain, isn't it? That's the that's, that's the that's the one thing that, that they definitely need. Villa do move on to, to Newcastle now at the weekend, Greg. It, I mean, Man City was a pretty bad fixture to come straight out of everything that's happened. 19 days without a game, half the squad having COVID. Man City didn't feel like the ideal fixture. As we said earlier, Newcastle does feel like the ideal one, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. And I think what we've got to remember is, as well is Villa got quite fortunate, didn't they, with this Man City game? It should have been at the start of the season. And look, you know, who knows what might have happened if Villa had got heavily beaten on that game of the first the first game of the season. With the momentum that Villa got from winning early on, it's taken them up to a high level. So, you know, what might have happened if they'd lost that game? So let's not think Villa are too hard done by. Yeah, it was a tough one to come back to after the COVID outbreak. But at the same time, you know, some of the players got a really nice rest after after a taxing festive period. So let's hope that they can use that to their advantage against Newcastle now, because that's the key one for them. You know, it's not worth thinking about losing that game, is it? They really need to get back to winning ways. No, and they've got a few winnable games after that in a short space of time as well, the way the fixtures have fallen, Greg. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you know, let's hope they can get on a decent little run again. We all know what a couple of wins can do in this division. You know, you've seen it with Leicester. Um, they're they're in a good moment now, and they're right at the top of the league. Villa want to be doing that as well. We're not saying that they're title contenders, but you know, Villa want to be pushing for the European places. If they can get two or three wins together at some point, you know, in January or February, then it will keep them ticking along nicely. And let's let, let's hope they can do that. Yeah, let's let's talk about transfers a little bit as well. Obviously, we we spoke about Morgan Sanson a little bit. Anything else in the pipeline, incoming wise? Uh, not that I'm hearing at the moment. Look, you know, as I've been saying all month, there might be an option to bring an attacker in at some point. Um, what what I don't envisage is Villa increasing their squad by by more than one. So you know, at the moment it's minus one, isn't it? Because Hurahan's gone. So it wouldn't surprise me if two players came in from now you know one of those being Sanson and then potentially uh, a forward but I do think if they bring a forward in then then Davis will go out on loan as well because pretty much half the championship are interested in him at the moment so yeah I mean I think we both kind of feel that they're just a little bit light up there aren't they does it sound like Villa are going to wait to the summer to bring that big striker in because I think the club will know that they're a striker short do you think the club think that they can do better and get better in the summer so they're prepared to sacrifice it in January? Well, yeah, I mean, look, what you got to remember is they've spent £22 million on Wesler. They've spent up to £34 million on Watkins. That's a hell of an outlay for two strikers and, and one that we haven't even seen anything of for 12 months. So in the back of their mind, Wesley's always there. The, the COVID outbreak knocked him back 10 days. So, you know, he, his recovery time is going to take a little bit longer because of that. He, you know, he was the one, one of the ones that had to isolate as well, of course. And so, yeah, most of the business will be done in the, in the summer like it was done last season. That's where Villa know that they can get better value and where they can plan in advance for. So I think if they were to get somebody in this month, it might be possibly on loan or, or, a, or a, a lower price deal. Um, with the potential to go really big, I think, in the summer, because there's a couple of names that I've heard mentioned, and you know, if they if they do get if they do manage to get one of those, then it will really take Villa forward. Exciting times, definitely. Still, despite obviously losing a couple on the bounce, it's obviously an excellent time to be a Villa fan, and I'm much more enjoying these podcasts losing than I was enjoying doing the podcast when we lost last year. As much as I am frustrated with VAR and officiating, we're going to finish with our new segment. So last week. We did the top, I can't remember what we did. What did we do? The top three something we did, we did last chance. week. The top three chance at Villa. And to be fair, I think I, you gave me two out of three, didn't you? You were happy <laughs> with two of the chance yeah. that I came up with. This this week, I've been tasked with top three away days. Now, to be fair, Greg, you must not be far off visiting all 92 grounds in the Football League, in fairness. So there is an argument that you should be doing this, really. Do you know why? Do you know how many grounds you've been to? No, I'd have to have a look. The the, the Premier League are all done, obviously. Uh, I think Brentford are the, with a new game, new ground, are the only Championship side. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd done almost all of all of League Two last time I looked. But, uh, sorry, all of wow. League One last time I looked. But there's a few in League Two as well, the newcomers. So I need to have a look at them as well. But I'm not far no. off. No, no, that was a, a good record. Most people really take pride in having visited all, all the grounds. So you probably a lot closer than you've ever thought about or knew. So that's a that's an interesting thing. That's your task for next week. Chalk off. I mean, I'm sure you're, you're not busy. You don't, you've got time to do this. Chalk off which ground you've been to, Greg, and, and let us know next week. But for now, I've had to pick my top three. Do I need to go in reverse order? Do I, which yeah, way go on, reverse order. I've gone with three. I, I like Reading. Been to Reading a couple, a couple of times. Reading? I mean, all these... 
I, do, I like it because I like that there's a You've lot of bars. I like the bar. No, listen. Not, this listen, is not starting listen, well again. Dan. Listen, listen. Ready. It's a good. It's a good little nightlife around there after after the games. The game finishes at five o'clock. You're full of options of where to go afterwards. Obviously, at the time I was living in London as well, so it was easier to get back to London. I just like the ground's not great, but I'm not judging it on that. I'm judging it on the experience and the day. And I think Reading. I think Reading's good. Daniel. You're yeah. in London right now. I'm in Birmingham. This is, I'm not in I'm, London. I'm, where are you? Uh, Berkshire. <laughs> I need I need to send someone round to strangle you. Is that possible Why? in these lockdown rules? Well, my wife will probably do it for her charge, to be fair. She'll probably quite enjoy <laughs> it. She'll get of it. No, I'm reading. Oh, oh God, just, just move like on to it. the next one. Just, just move like on to it. the next one quickly. Oh, fine. Next one, Emirates. Now, I do like that ground. That's my favourite in terms of ground. I like, I like the Emirates, and I've had a Villa. I've had a couple of good results there when I've when I've been at games. So I've enjoyed Arsenal over over the years. It's a bit controversial. I'm not a massive fan of Arsenal fans. I don't know whether it's because of Arsenal <laughs> fan TV and and working in London and having come across so many Arsenal fans. But I quite enjoy beating them because I think yeah, they've got ideas shout. above their station. I think they've got ideas decent above shout. their station. So I, I like, like the Emirates. Emirates. I like the Emirates. I like having too. a, just, I like having a padded seat. I like a padded seat as well at <laughs> yeah. the, the Emirates. Good, good, so food, good press food as well at the Emirates. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, yeah, there that's a go. good day. And and lots of bars around there, aren't there? You know, lot, good, good night out after. Suddenly, you're you're allowed to like bars around ground, but when I said Reading, you didn't you didn't like that. Please don't ever mention Reading again on this podcast. <laughs> I, like, I like it. Hopefully, I never have to because hopefully we're not down in the Championship <laughs> ever playing them. My favourite personal, and again, I'm, I'm wary that these are all in a similar kind of area, but I just like Craven Cottage. I like Fulham away. Yeah. I was devastated yeah. to miss that at the start of the season. That's my favourite. Always has been. Despite the fact I don't think I've ever seen us win there. We have a <laughs> terrible record. I think I've been five or six times and we've never won at any of the ones I've, I've been there. I remember the first time I missed one for a while. We won 2-0. Gabby scored twice. Brilliant. So that's my, I mean, in general, my away record is horrific. We barely ever win when I go away. But I just like Fulham. I like Putney, which is the, the station nearest the ground. There's good play again, good bars to go. It just feels like a good away day, Fulham. I know you like Fulham as well. Me and you have had a drink after a Fulham game last season, haven't we? And we enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I loved that the last time I went to Fulham. I, I met up with quite a lot of Villa fans, you know, mainly that were hanging on to it. You're every word, Dan. Um, I, mean, I and, speak and, a lot of sense, Greg. You said to him about Reading. <laughs> and, had a, and had a good few drinks with them at, at that game. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. And I, I quite like going there as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what it will look like with the new stand as well. And um, Yeah. It's, it's a good day, especially if you get them in the summer, isn't it? You know, drinks on the Thames yeah. and all that. I'm desperate for Fulham to stay up. Actually, I'm really enjoying Fulham at the moment on a side note. I think they're playing some really nice football, but I'm desperate for them to stay up so that I can rectify not being able to go this season and go next season. That's my biggest hope for 2021. Fulham staying up. That, that's what I want, Greg. <laughs> I think they will. They're playing some good stuff, aren't they? I mean, they're playing, they're they're playing right now, side. actually, as we're recording. I don't know, what, don't know what the score is, but they're playing Man U. At the moment, I think that does us for the podcast this week, Greg. We'll be back at some point after the Newcastle game to, to talk about that. Desperate, both of us, for Villa to bounce back. Make sure you're checking out Greg's pieces. If you are subscribed to The Athletic, I'm sure you are. And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, then go and do that. Use the code I talked about at the top of the show, theathletic.com slash villapod and, and sign up because there's some great stuff on there in general, not just Greg's stuff. There's actually some really good football stuff on there as well. I've had a, a good peruse, a good catch-up today and really, really enjoyed a couple of the pieces that were in there. So yeah, do all that. Up the Villa. The Athletic.